a passage, isn't it? But but it's one of those it's one of those issues that don't we just have troubles with it? Boy, the aeroplane just started up. Um, don't we have issues with the whole question of um, speaking in tongues and prophecy? Uh, when was the last time, hands up, that you came to Comet Bay Baptist and someone spoke in tongues? With an interpreter? Oh, okay. Now, when was the last time you came and someone had a prophetic word? There's preaching, but has anybody else? Isn't this an interesting question? Because I, I look at what Paul writes here and I, I, I think about um, solid Western Christianity and I wonder whether Paul would have written a very different letter to us than he writes to the Corinthians. But let's, let's uh, pray and then we'll, we'll try and figure out what we're going to do. We'll have a quick sermon today. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for being our King. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you, Spirit, that you do work, that you are the one who powerfully gifts each and every one of us. Father, we own, perhaps, that we do not desire the spiritual gifts as we ought. Lord, we own that perhaps we have overemphasized the, the thinking side of ourselves. Lord, the cognitive, the knowing, as opposed to the experiencing of you. Lord, help us to desire both to know you better and to experience you more. But most of all, Lord, help us to desire to see your church blessed and grow. Lord, please do amazing things in our midst. And please, Father, 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 grow your church. Make us as a body of believers so in love with you that we would act out of love to each other. Lord, may we long to be blessed by you that we might bless others. Lord, we, we desire to be blessed by you personally and we long for that, but we also long to bless others and we beg for that. Please give us that fervent desire. Please, Father. And please help us to understand more fully this message and this passage today. Speak even through these lips, I pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, remember we've been, well, we've done the whole of Corinthians up to this point, but, but 1 Corinthians 14 is a special chapter in that it sits um, as the final part of a three-chapter series that Paul has been looking on. Started in chapter 12, the Corinthians had written a letter to Paul and they said to him, Paul, tell us what is real spirituality. They wanted to know what Christian spirituality was, what it looked like, and and Paul explained to them, yes, um, God uh, gives the Spirit to us. And he said, the first thing you have to know is that no one by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one can say that Jesus is Lord without the Spirit of God empowering them. And, and that's, that's not just saying the words, that's saying it and living it out through time. And we saw Paul said that every single person in the church has been given a spiritual gift or a gift to bless and build up the church. And then we went on to chapter 13, and we saw chapter 13 said that, uh, that gifts are wonderful, but the thing that is most important, the most important way of all, is love. And do you remember what Paul said there? He said, you've got to love 
God and you've got to love each other. And we had that fantastic chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, that describes love. Um, it describes the person of Jesus as patient and kind and not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, not demanding its own way, not irritable, no record of being wrong is kept, doesn't rejoice about injustice, rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. And, and Paul finished last week and he said to us, you know what, at the end of the day, everything will pass. All the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, all these things, they are for this age. But one day when Jesus comes back, we will know him fully. We will be like him fully. We will be there. We will see him face to face. And the gifts that are here to strengthen us and build us up into the character and person of Christ, loving one another, those gifts will pass away but will last. What will last forever is love. Because love is the character of God. And so Paul is now finishing what he's saying here. They've asked him, Paul, tell us about spirituality because, because in the Corinthian church, um, they, all, they, were, they were so unlike us, modern Western Christians, because they were, let me rephrase it, they were so unlike us evangelical modern Western Christians. They were more like the charismatic people, but more so because for them the gifts were all, woo, my experience rocks. And they said, wow, I speak in tongues. And they were so proud of the fact that they would speak in tongues that they'd get up during the service and they'd say, <coughs> and everyone would go, wow, what a spiritual dude. And then he'd sit down and they'd go, he's so spiritual, I have no idea what he said. And somebody else would get up. And do the same thing. And Paul's writing to, to this church who have, have got so many people building up their own spirituality. And Paul says, hey, that's a good thing. If God's given you the gift of tongues, it is for your edification. I don't know who here has the gift of speaking in tongues. I know at least one person in the church does. Uh, but if you've got it, fantastic. If you don't got it, if you want it, desire it. Maybe God will give it to you. I don't know. But, but the fact is, Paul's writing to a church which is confused as to what the gifts are for. You see, he says to them, true spirituality is about Jesus. True spirituality is about living and acting out of love. Not so much for myself, but for others. Paul has absolutely nothing against private spirituality. In fact, I think he might remark on the lack of it in some of us today. Um, there is absolutely no virtue in living in its spiritual slum. And we should desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. I think that perhaps today we live in a world that is so starved of true spirituality um, that people are just eager for some, I don't know, some supernatural, some spiritual thing to be ooh, experienced. Uh, just the this, this sense of experience of the power that is beyond. And, and that's not wrong to desire that. And, and Paul says, yes, desire to experience God 
In fact, he says in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But, says Paul to us, as much as you should desire those sort of gifts of experiencing God and building yourself up, when it comes to the church, you should be desiring that which will edify and build up the church. He says, you Corinthians who love your tongues, who love speaking in, in according to chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels. He says, I want to tell you, Corinthians, desire gifts like prophecy first. Okay, uh, let's sort something out. Let's see what Paul can tell us. What do I mean when I mean gift of tongues? Um, a lot of us in the evangel- evangelical church, we look at that and go, oh, oh. smacks of Pentecostalism. Um, it's not something to be scorned. Paul doesn't scorn it. In fact, he says it would be nice if all of us could speak in tongues. Um, Paul does, however, say that although he prays and speaks in tongues privately a lot, he doesn't do so in public. What are tongues? Uh, I think we get from this passage that tongues are a a gift of speech, uh, sounds that you make, um, apparent languages, maybe even actual languages of men or angels. Verse 14 of chapter 14 tells us that when someone is speaking in tongues, it's kind of like it bypasses the conscious mind. Have a look at what it says there. It says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. If we speak or pray in tongues, we are not speaking to other humans. We are speaking to God directly. Um, I'm told that you experience it as a stream of praise. Um, And you don't know what you're saying, but you've got the sense of love for God. Um, Just the sense of how good God is and how wonderful He is and how much you love Him. Um, We're told in chapter 14, verse 4, that, that speaking in tongues... Uh, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So it's something that's good for your own private spirituality if you have that gift. Um, it's like a, a private language of love, which is what makes it so wonderful, but which is also the problem, says Paul. It's a, a private gift. And verse 20 tells us that it's unintelligible. That's not verse 20, but it says in there, uh, it is unintelligible because one speaks mysteries of the Spirit. One of the problems in the Corinthian world is that there were many religions and cults available offering all sorts of spiritual experiences, and some of them included these kind of ecstatic trances and even speaking in unknown languages or seeming to do so. And perhaps the Corinthian church were just so into this thing that they thought, wow, they do it, we do it so much better. We're an upmarket religion. But they were, they were still working in that old, got to experience and, and got to be like the other religions. Um. One of my favorite authors, whom I mention a lot, is Adrian Plass. Um, He's got a a, a tongue-in-cheek book called Looking Good, Being Bad. 
And he says, if you want to impress people and pretend to speak in tongues, memorize the Indian cricket team's names and say them out loud really fast. Um, <laughs> would be wonderful, except if you come across a cricket fan. Um, Paul says it would be wonderful if we could all speak in tongues. Um, if that's something you desire, pray for it. Pray for it personally. God may or may not give it to you. Um, one thing, though, is don't try and force it. Don't say that, that you, I've prayed for tongues and now I'm just going to blah, blah, blah until it feels right. That's, if God gives you the gifts, God gives you the gift. If God doesn't give you the gift, fine. God will strengthen you another way. In fact, God will hopefully strengthen you by somebody in the church whom he gives the gift of prophecy or teaching or, or some word of knowledge or understanding. You see, that's the point. Although there are private gifts which strengthen us, God has not called us to be individual Christians. He has called us to be people in a body of Christ, a local community of Christians who are to strengthen and build up each other. Why? Because we love each other. Why? Because God is love. And what does that mean? Love will last forever and so we will act like that today. And Paul says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, even more, I wish you could all prophesy because prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues because it is other-centered and strengthens the body of Christ. And not only does it strengthen the body of Christ, but it also sees new people coming into that same body and becoming followers of Jesus. If you prophesy, you strengthen others, you encourage others, you comfort others, the entire church. Paul says to them, if I came to you and I visited the congregation and I got up the front and I spoke in tongues for 25 minutes, what benefit would it be for you? How will it help? But, says Paul, if I bring you some revelation or some special knowledge or some prophecy or some teaching, that's going to be of great benefit to you. Because he says then, in verses 7 and 8, the point there that he's making is, you've got to be understood in order for there to be action that flows from it. If a bugler blows indistinctly. You don't know if you're in the army whether you're supposed to run towards the enemy or away from the enemy. What is prophecy though? I skipped this bit. Prophecy, first off, is something that is available to every single Christian. There is no limit on who could or could not be used by God to speak prophetically into the life of the church or another believer. I think there are very, very few people who are regularly used like this, especially today. 
Um, it's more than foretelling the future. We tend to think of a prophet like the cartoon on, on your um, bulletin, which has got a toilet, it's a prophetic toilet roll, and it's got a picture on it as you get to the end that says the end is nigh. Um, we tend to think of prophecy as telling the future, but, but it's more than that. Sometimes it, it does, but, but more of the time prophecy is showing something of God's heart. If you read through the Old Testament prophets, they often say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, unless you turn. Unless you turn to God and be saved. Prophecy, I think, is about showing us who God is and how He relates to us. We see most clearly who God is in Jesus, and so I think all prophecy has to ultimately point to Jesus. And all prophets have to be held accountable to the person of Jesus and to the teaching of the prophets and the apostles. They have to be held accountable to the Bible. Prophecy is more than just sudden flashes of inspiration. Could be. Prophecy, Michael Green says that prophecy is a word from the Lord through a member of his body, inspired by his spirit and given to build up the rest of the body. It's God speaking into a situation. And Paul insists, I think, that prophecy, like all of the spiritual gifts, doesn't have to be spontaneous to be genuine. Um, God can speak prophetically through a sermon just as much as he can speak prophetically through a sudden, I need to say this to you. Or I think perhaps God wants to say this to you. It's much better to say, I think God might want you to say this or to hear this. Because if God wants you to hear it, he'll give you two or three people speaking into that situation. Paul's point on prophecy is about building up and encouraging and comforting the church. And, and just one thing, any prof prophecy or prophet who undermines or shakes the faith of another Christian is not a prophet. Any prophet who isn't about encouraging and building up, you have to look at carefully because that's largely why God gives the gift. There are occasions uh, where a prophet speaks non-encouraging words. Paul, on his way to Jerusalem the last time, every town he went into, God gave a prophet that told him, Paul, there is suffering and trouble ahead of you. We also got to be careful at what we're speaking about here, and, and really all of the gifts of the Spirit are given to not individuals, but the church. And so I'm very wary of anyone who claims to have a prophetic ministry that is outside of the church. Because it is the church's job. And Paul sees this. Read the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's the church's job to assess and look at what the prophets are saying. And to say, is this true? Does this ally with the gospel? Um. There are websites where you can 
pay some money and get a prophetic word from God. Very, very sad. Um, if a prophet is not part of a church, they are not Christ's prophets. Full stop. Paul says he prefers prophecy to tongues because he wants the church to grow. He says, desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, but especially those that will strengthen the church. Verse 14 says, Paul, if I speak in the Spirit, I don't know what I'm saying. If I pray in the Spirit, I don't know what I'm praying. But, he says, when I come to church, I would rather speak five words that you understand than 10,000 words which make, which make me look super spiritual and have no benefit for you. He says, I would rather speak just five words that you understand. And he says, if I pray in the Spirit, then I will also pray with my mind because I want to understand. If I sing in the Spirit, sing in tongues, then I will also sing in words that I understand. Why? Because I want people to understand me and I want to encourage them and bless them. And I want them to be able to join me in praising God. I've preached, I think, once in a church uh, was it the Romanian church uh, and they were singing songs I preached in English and it was lovely when they sang a song that I knew the English version of because I could sing along but when they sang songs that I had no idea it's like oh, I presume they're praising God that's the kind of thing which Paul is, is speaking of here he says I want you to be mature when it comes to your spirituality Yes, Christians should be childlike with some things, be childlike when it comes to evil, but be mature when it comes to spirituality and spiritual gifts. And that means don't stress one side of who you are as opposed to the other. See, the Corinthians were stressing the, uh, the non-cognitive, the, the experience, the, the feeling side of themselves and saying this is true spirituality I think perhaps we do the opposite and we stress the thinking and the, and the cognitive and the ah I have reasoned and understood and, and Paul's basically addressing the imbalance over there and by doing so I think we can extract that he would say to us you've got to be balanced persons you have to be balanced persons because in our lives and especially in public worship, what matters is that all of us worship Christ. Every aspect of us. Our mind, our spirit, our body, they're, they're all one. You cannot separate them. And Paul says, I think maturity is knowing what behavior is appropriate in which context. He wants us to be a grown-up church. Now, are we so grown-up that we don't need the gifts of the Spirit? Who, who thinks we, we don't really? Of course not. We are grown-up 
completely when Jesus comes back and makes us new. Until then, we still need God's gifts. We still need, uh, perhaps for ourselves, but especially for each other. Says Paul, desire the spiritual gifts. Desire the spiritual gifts. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the gift of prophecy. Do you? Do I? Do some of the gifts frighten me a little bit? Make me feel a bit uncomfortable? Do I when God has shown me something, do I tell somebody else about it? If if I've had a fantastic revelation as I've been doing my Bible study and I've just thought, Wow, have I ever not seen this before? Do I then go to someone and say, Hey, I found this? You know what, if you found something during the week that you want to share on a Sunday morning, you put your hand up and you get up to the front and you share. I I wonder whether Paul would be absolutely almost in tears that we get together and we have one person speaking on a Sunday morning. I'd rather trim pages off my sermon and have fresh insights from the church that we can discuss. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I'm the only one who can speak for God in this place. In fact, the moment I believe that is the moment I'm not worthy to be the pastor. And so my challenge to us, I'm going to finish here, desire the gifts by all means for yourself, but especially for the church. Ask God to help you build His church here. Ask God to strengthen you. Ask God to use you to strengthen others. And when you ask God, and He gives you something to say, or He encourages you, for goodness sake, say it. Pam.